In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, sometimes there's a misunderstanding about the parables of Jesus. So sometimes it's believed and understood that Jesus taught in parables to be relatable. Right? When hearing the parables, some think that Jesus is teaching gospel truth through folksy little stories, stories that will speak to simple, uneducated country people like the disciples. Right? Jesus is kind of being this folksy, cheerful little teacher telling cute little stories. But we have to remember that in the Gospels, Jesus doesn't actually use parables to clearly proclaim the good news of his gospel. In fact, in Matthew 13, Jesus says the opposite. In Matthew chapter 13, the disciples ask Jesus, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus answers them, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. In other words, Jesus gives parables to obscure. He gives parables to obscure the kingdom from those who do not believe that it has come through him. For those the Holy Spirit has given ears to hear, however, the parables show us the kingdom. But our hearts of flesh will always hear the parables and at first will resist them. There's part of us that hears the parables and part of us that will say, this parable doesn't make sense. And so the parable of the workers in the vineyard in Matthew 20, I think is the perfect example of this. When we hear this parable, I think our first reaction is to close our ears to the gospel. Because what the parable tells us is that the kingdom of God is not fair. We are all going to immediately side with the workers who worked hard all day as the sun beat down on them. Certainly, they deserve more pay than the workers who stood around idly all day and showed up for work in the final hour. Right? When we hear this parable, our instinct is always to put ourselves in place of the first workers who've worked all day and now are getting gypped. But Christ is going to point us to something different in this parable. And so we see that this parable parallels even the parable of the prodigal son. In the prodigal son, the younger brother demands his inheritance, as you remember, and then he loses all of his inheritance through immoral living. His father then celebrates his son's return, and he throws a big party in his honor. And all the while, the elder son, who dutifully had stayed home for his whole life, and worked responsibly and helped out his father and pitched in around the house, he complained about how unfair it all was. Why does this immoral, wasteful son get the party? And part of us hears it and we think, doesn't he have a point? Don't the workers who worked all day and now are complaining have a point? Really, aren't some people just more deserving than others? And so Jesus answers this question for us and he answers it, no. No, they don't have a legitimate complaint. In his kingdom, God is not concerned with our sense of fairness. This is what we have to hear over and over and over. The kingdom of God is not about fairness. The late Episcopalian priest and writer Robert Capon writes, This parable is about a grace that works by raising the dead, not by rewarding the rewardable, and it is about a judgment that falls hard on those who object 
to that kind of grace. This parable is, in fact, a parable of judgment and grace. Because to the complainers, to those who murmur against God's favor toward those who sat idly all day, God loudly says, so what? God is in the business of raising the dead, not handing out first place trophies. Likewise, God's grace is not about giving everyone a participation trophy. It's not about how everyone has tried their best in a difficult world. Those who were idle all day aren't being rewarded for not working. The parable is not about good moral people getting recognized for their decent, upstanding, hardworking lives. But the grace of God is about taking sinners, forgiving them, and making them new creatures altogether. If you believe that the good news of Jesus coming into the world is about counting up and balancing your good deeds to prove you're worthy of God's grace, then you're missing the point. You don't have the gospel. The parable warns us against presuming that we deserve anything from God, especially that we deserve the grace of his forgiveness. And this is exactly how the parable can be used as law against our own flesh. Because we'll always be tempted to look at how good we are, right? how good we're doing in this world, and believe that that makes us right before God. Right, God, I go to church every week. God, I'm pretty generous with my money. God, I don't live like those drunks and adulterers down the street. God, see how much more I do for you. See how clean I live my life. And turning to God and pointing to how good we are is always going to be a spiritual disaster because it's pride. And when you put your trust in yourself, your trust in your own goodness, every time you fail, every sin will make you believe that you are far from God's grace. Your pride will lead you to despair. Instead, God wants us to put our trust and confidence in him alone, to look to his mercy alone and not to ourselves. He wants us to have a sure hope that comes from outside of ourselves. Your hope has to be in Christ alone. That's the unshakable hope in this world. That's the unshakable hope of the gospel. And so for that reason, this parable warns us against presuming that somehow we deserve more than others who are forgiven. Because in the Christian language, grace and deserving do not fit together. When we try to confront God like the workers who worked all day and said, God, I deserve to be rewarded, then we forsake his grace. We forsake the depth of our sinfulness, our need for mercy. And in this, you are not so far from all the sinners that we might compare ourselves to. Because all of us are nothing apart from God's grace to us. We're all on our own deserving of hell. We're all deserving of punishment. For all of us, universally, there is no hope but what Christ has done for us. We find ourselves in judgment when we hold on so dearly to what we believe is fair and not to the gospel of the free gift of our salvation through Christ. In fact, the gospel, as Christ shows us, shatters the balances of the ledger books of morality. The gospel annihilates the accusations of the law against the believer. And instead, the gospel saves sinners. It doesn't count up your sins, but it lays your sins on Jesus Christ. And whether you began working in the first hour or you began working in the last hour, 
you will never work enough to pay off the debt that you owe God. Because the debt of your sin is bigger than the national debt, which I've read grows by over $5 billion each day. Your debt of sin is insurmountable. You cannot do enough good works to justify yourselves. And in this way, all of us are in the same boat together. Whether we began working five hours ago, whether we began working eight hours ago, it makes no difference. We're all in a debt that we cannot pay. We're all in that same boat. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to pay the debt. Because of Christ, your debt is forgiven. And this is how the Holy Spirit invites us to hear the parable this morning. Because there's part of our hearts of flesh that will scream, that's not fair. Our hearts of flesh will want to make ourselves like God. We'll want to be deserving. We'll want to put our confidence on ourselves and believe that we can save ourselves. But what the Holy Spirit leads us to hear is that fairness is not in our vocabulary. You don't want fairness. You don't want deserving. You want grace. So forgiveness is the word that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Forgiveness is in our vocabulary. For you see, what this parable shows us is that when Christ has come, he has come to make the workday over. He has come to punch us all out of work. He has come now to invite us all to the weekend party. Again, quoting Father Robert Capon, the kingdom of heaven is Miller time. It's celebration. The work for us is over. Earning our way is done. The economy of the kingdom of this world is coming to an end. And what remains is the kingdom of grace. In this kingdom, there's nothing for you to prove. There's only God's forgiveness and grace. In this kingdom is the assurance that God loves you, that he has made you his own. The parable of the workers in the vineyard is an invitation to celebrate. It has nothing to do with fairness. Instead, it has everything to do with God's generosity. God has set us free from trying to count up our works, trying to live up to a standard that will get us to heaven. And the parable is an invitation to trust in God's mercy alone. It's an invitation to a party of which you are not worthy, but to which Christ has secured you a place. Instead, through Jesus Christ, God is merciful to you. The work week is over. In the kingdom of heaven, it's five o'clock on Friday. It's time to stop working. And in God's grace, it's time to stop trying to earn a place. It's time now to rest in what Christ has done for you. That's where we place our hope. Not in fairness, not in deserving, but in grace. And God's free grace to sinners like us. Amen.